Today, I felt, and I, my, I talked to my poor wife. I mean, I keep telling her, I said, you know, I'm, I'm just burdened about something else, teaching something else. And this is before Ron went to heaven. And I said, uh, I, I've got it, you know, I just feel like I should be teaching something else. She learned a long time ago just to let me talk about it because she knows that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'll just, finally, I'll get to the answer. And she'd just say, that's right, that was a good answer. Most of the time. So, I did, and I'm glad I waited, and I'm glad that the Lord spoke to my heart. I hope you brought a Bible or you have one you can look at. Like I said, I don't have notes, and I do have it on the screen, John chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to talk about focus on heaven today. Jesus said to the disciples right before he went to the cross, Jesus said in verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my Father's house are many places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He said, you know the way to the place where I'm going? Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me, through me. That's the path. We're thinking much about Ron Bauer today and about his life and his legacy and his love his love for Jeannie, his love for this church, his love for this class, which was unparalleled, his dedication and service to Jesus. Ron and I talked for hours about the class. He said, well, what in the world did you talk about? Okay, Ron talked for hours about the class. <laughs> I listened for hours about the class. He always wanted to do more. His favorite thing to say to me was, I just want to be a soldier. I just want, I don't want to be the captain. I don't want to be, I, I want to be a soldier. I just want to do stuff, right? Um, he, he loved being the mob boss. He thought that was the, the coolest thing. I think he liked the name more than he liked the job. <laughs> right? But I tell you what, he was dedicated to it. He loved it as, as much as anything. The mob, for those of you who don't know it, stands for Men Only Breakfast, and he was the head of our Men Only Breakfast meetings that we had every month. And you say, are you going to continue? Oh, yes, we will continue. We will continue. Right before, we went on a Christmas trip and came back and I think we got back on a Wednesday, and so I went over to see Ron on Thursday. And he said, well, he said, I just, I, you know, he said, I don't want to sit in this chair anymore. I don't want to sit here. I want to get up. I want to do something, much to Jeannie's chagrin. Um, he wanted to be out, wanted to be doing stuff. And he just was so weak. But he said, I tell you what I want to do. He said, uh, I want, you're going to go visiting, right? You're going to visit people. I want to go visiting with you. I want to go visit people in the class. I said, okay. <laughs> you have anybody in mind? 
He said, no, who do we need to visit? Who's sick? I said, well, we got a lot of people sick. He said, well, let's go see them. He said, well, and I can't go to the hospital. I said, I know, Ron, I'll take you to the hospital. He said, but I want to go see people. I said, okay. He said, well, go see, let's go see Eddie. Eddie's sick. I said, well, Eddie's, Eddie's going to be at church Sunday. I said, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll see somebody else then. So you got taken off the list. But we, we, and he did go see some of you, I know. Didn't he, Linda? <laughs> I just saw her smiling and grinning, so I said, I, you know, of course Ron told me about it, so I had to, you know, make sure that uh, you got to talk about it. But I made some suggestions. I said, okay, I don't know who it'll be, but we'll go visit somebody. I had one Monday, and then he got too weak, and he wasn't able to go. As I was thinking about it this morning, I, I think Ron's gift, his primary gift to me, was really to create something that wasn't too good, and that was his gift. He thought his gift to me was to inflate my ego. If I listened to him, I would not be able to get my head in the door on Sunday morning. He thought that Billy Graham was about to catch up with me when he died. And he thought Spurgeon was good, but he wasn't deep enough. I told him quite some time ago, it's been over a year ago, I told him, I said, you know, I see you as Barnabas. The, the encourager, the son of consolation. And he was always there to make sure that people got their notes, people got that I got a bottle of water. He was always there to, to greet people. He would be very upset if, some, if he saw a visitor and they weren't sitting with somebody. He may have told you on, on a few occasions that you should go sit with someone, and that was just... I didn't tell him to do it. He just felt like he should. I asked Ron about two years ago, in all seriousness, to be my accountability partner. And I don't do that too often because I really don't like that. I, I haven't even asked Sally to be my accountability partner. And, uh, which is a good... There's so, so many things we could say there, but we won't. I, you know, I said, Ron, I want, you to, I want you to help keep me in the right direction. I want, to pray. I want you to pray with me. I want you to give me advice spiritually as the Lord leads you and tell me when you think I'm moving the wrong direction, and I'll do the same for you. We agreed, and we began to meet and have coffee. He never told me anything. I would say, Ron, what about this on your, you know, yeah, I think that's great. I think you're great. I think you're wonderful. I said, Ron, this is not accountability, all right? <laughs> Trust me. Talk to Sally. She knows I'm not. You can help me. I, I said, I, I probably went too long Sunday. He said, no, I thought you didn't go long enough. Boy, some of you really didn't like that, did you? <laughs> he wanted to talk to me mostly about you. He wanted to say, where has so-and-so been? I, 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 is, 
Uh, he would say, is Valerie having another surgery this week? I'm glad she's not here. <laughs> Bless her heart. He would want to know. And he would and just fill in the blank. He said, you know, how are they feeling? Did you call them? Now, that's one thing he would get on to me about. He said, now, what about uh, so-and-so? That They were sick. Did you talk to them? And I said, well, not yet. Okay. And then I'd go, I'd go away feeling so bad that that's why I called you. But seriously, I will greatly miss my friend. But I need to remind myself what this was all about. Why do we meet? Why do we have this life group? Why did Ron and Jeannie come drifting in? And what did we say? 2016? I now forgot what we talked about. 2016? Didn't come back for six weeks while they went out and visited every other life group to find out that, you know, they just don't have it. I say in all humility. And then came back and have never left us. But why, why do we do that? I feel strongly moved to talk about where Ron is today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that we should comfort each other with this truth, with these words. The words about the coming of Christ and the resurrection of the body and being with Him. And so we have specific instructions for us to do that. Now, I know we begin to study heaven in our small groups. And I know one of our small groups met and talked about it last night because they all came in beaming today and saying, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? The answer is yes, I've studied it already, all right? But I do know it, and it's exciting. But I'm not going to touch on that today. And I, all of this I just prayed, and the Lord just said, here's what I want you to talk about, I think. So that's why I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to say this again at the celebration of his life on Friday. But I know one thing for sure. Ron was running toward heaven at the end of his life. Running. He was, he, he so much wanted to be there. I know he wanted things to do. He had things he wanted to do and that he longed and desired to do. But I think what was really telling was, I believe it was Wednesday night, maybe early Thursday morning that he sort of roused and, and asked Jeannie. Jeannie was sitting there, and he said, Am I still here? <laughs> and Jeannie said, uh, Yes, you are. This is sure not heaven. <laughs> and with great disappointment, he went back to sleep. <laughs> he was running to heaven. He was wanting to be there. So what do I need to know about heaven today? is I think about it, and I'm, if I, and I'm obeying the command for us to comfort one another with these words. I think we need to know about the person of heaven, the promise of heaven, the peace of heaven, and the place of heaven, and most of what I'll say will just be scripture. The person of heaven in John chapter 14, verse 3, it says, um, And I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you where? To be with me. The person of heaven is Jesus. And all of these things we're learning about heaven is great. And 
60 seconds after you die and these six things are taking place in heaven, I agree with all of them and I can't wait to experience those. But the importance of heaven is not the place, it's the person. And you know that if you know Jesus. And the more you know Jesus, the more you long to see him. I love Colorado most of the time, but I don't go there to see the mountains. I go there to see our daughter. It's not the place, it's the person. Now here's the best verse you'll get today. Here's my favorite verse, I think, around this topic in the Bible. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying the inter great intercessory prayer for us. And listen what he prays in verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Can you even imagine that that is the prayer of Jesus? That he said, Father, I want them to be with me. And as we stood around Ron when he took his last breath on Thursday, I really believe that the Lord said, okay, angels, it's time for you to do your job. Go get him because I want to be with him. Amen? Amen. <laughs> that, makes, that makes it look like a whole different thing when you think about that Jesus prayed, I want to be with you. And sometimes I have to stop and say, you want to be with me? <laughs> it's sort of like many times I, sort of look, I look at Sally and say, you want to be with me? <laughs> I mess up a lot. And Jesus said, yeah, I want to be with you because you're my child. Luke 23, 43, Jesus, when he was looking at the thief who said, I want to be with you, he said, today you will be, he just didn't say today you'll be in paradise, did he? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul said, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, I'm torn between the two. I desire to be to depart, Paul said, and be with Christ, which is far better. Turn over to Revelation chapter 7. We're going to read several verses in Revelation, so we'll keep coming back. Verse 11 of chapter 7 of Revelation says, all the, John gets this picture of heaven. And he said, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. 
And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. There is the center of heaven, folks. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There are many glories and joys and comforts and reunions and blessing and much happiness awaiting us in heaven. But most of all, we will see Jesus Christ. On Friday morning, when I was thinking about what should I be talking about, I, I, ha I had a devotion that day. It's written by Charles Haddon Spurgeon on morning and evening, but a guy named Alistair Begg takes it and sort of soups it up a little bit and makes it a little more understandable, although sometimes it's a little heavy for me to figure out because of the old English. But let me read this one because I think all of us will figure this out real quick. The title is, In My Flesh I Shall See God, Job 19.26. Consider the subject of Job's devout anticipation, I shall see God. He does not say, I shall see the saints, though doubtless that will be untold happiness, but I shall see God. It is not, I shall see the pearly gates, I shall behold the walls of jasper, I shall gaze upon the crowns of gold, but I shall see God. This is the sum and substance of heaven. This is the joyful hope of all believers. It is their delight to see him now in the ordinances by faith. They love to behold him in communion and in prayer, but there in heaven they shall have an open and unclouded vision, and thus seeing him as he is shall be made completely like him. It is certain that Christ shall be the object of our eternal vision, nor shall we ever want any joy beyond that of seeing him. Do not think that this will be a narrow sphere for the mind to dwell in, but it is one source of delight, but that source is infinite. All his attributes shall be subjects for contemplation. And as he is infinite under each aspect, there's no fear of exhaustion. His works, his gifts, his love to us, and his glory in all his purposes and in all his actions, these shall make a theme that will ever be new. The patriarch Job looked forward to this sight of God as personal enjoyment. Whom shall I see for myself? And my eyes shall behold and not another. Take realizing views of heaven's bliss. Think what it will be to you. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. All earthly brightness fades and darkness and darkens as we gaze upon it. But here is a brightness that can never dim, a glory that can never fade. I shall see God. The other thing is the promise of heaven. Look at verse 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. For you older folks like me who only could read the King James Version when you were a kid, it says mansions. It's a better word is rooms. If you want a mansion, it'll be great, but that's not what we're going for. So if it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. The promise of heaven. He said, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. 
that you may be where I am. John 11, 25, 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will appear with him in glory. Revelation twenty two fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. 2 Peter three thirteen. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then later on in the chapter, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. The promise of heaven. Of course, he goes on in the chapter and says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So the promise is I'm the path. The peace of heaven. Jesus tells his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. They were thinking about what's going on. He said, I'm about to die. I'm about to give my life. You know, we constantly seek peace don't we? But it's an up and down battle. Someday the down part goes away. It won't be up and down battling for peace anymore. Revelation 21, 4, He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. No worry, no fear, no need to strive for peace. When I was a little kid, my dad loved to sing. He'd walk around the house singing mostly quartet music, gospel, southern gospel quartet music. I mean, that's what I grew up on. And he would sing Peace in the Valley. Remember Peace in the Valley? And, you know, it was never a really spiritual person <laughs> that sang it. It was always like Tennessee Ernie Ford or... Some of you say, Tennessee who? Sorry, for those of you younger, uh, he was a good guy. But he loved that song. He sang it all the time. There will be peace in the valley for me. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm going to quickly read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Peace. The place of heaven. Jesus said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Now listen. Scripture teaches very clearly, if you believe the Bible... Teach, we were taught so clearly that heaven is not some state of mind. It's not some 
eerie place as we see on TV and in the movies. It's a place. The Greek word translated there for place in John chapter 14, are you ready for it? It means place. That's the big translation of that word. It means a spot. It means a real place. Hebrews 11:16. the writer of Hebrews in that great chapter about faith said, Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Hebrews 13, 14, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. So flip over to Revelation, and let's just read a few verses of Scripture, and then we'll close. I just want to read a little bit of a description of the place where the mob boss is right now. Chapter 5, verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels. If you can, try to visualize what John was trying to picture in words that he saw. Number thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. Go over to chapter 19. Look at verse 5 in chapter 19. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Verse 7, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Look at verse 9. Then the angel said to me, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now that is going to make Ron happy. <laughs> and he said, These are the true words of God. Two more verses. Two more passages. Chapter 21. Just turn over a page. Chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the street of the city, and on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. 
There will be no more night. There will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So in closing, thinking about heaven and this place and the person there and the promise and the peace that we'll have, it's precious. It's more precious because the more people that are populated by the people that I know, it becomes more and more precious. It changes also how you worship and you think about heaven because you think about Hebrews chapter 12 where it says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Our Redeemer is there. Our relationships are there. Our residence is there. Our reward is there. Our riches are there. And best of all, our reservation is there. <laughs> Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for all you've done for us. We rejoice in the time that we had to spend with our brother who inspired us and blessed us and loved us and cared for us, gave of himself, gave of his time, and we thank you for his testimony. We thank you for Jeannie who has stood by him every minute of the day, who has helped him and blessed him and comforted him and strengthened him. Now we ask, Father, that we could do the same, that you give us the wisdom to, and the, uh, the, the strength and the ability and the knowledge that we need, the discernment that we need to do the same for her and bring comfort since we know that that's what Scripture says, the way you show comfort is through your people providing comfort that we've been comforted with. So Lord, I pray that you would give us what we need and I pray that it would inspire us to be better Christians and greater testimonies of what's to come. In Jesus' name, amen.